0: Hello and welcome to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm your host, Moed Amin. The goal for this show is to help elevate uh, and improve the skills around persuasion and sales. Uh, the journey to high performance is not just about the uh, skills and knowledge you acquire, it's also about the person you become and the person you grow into. So from this show, you'll be seeing not just the conventional or at least the typical sales um, te- uh, sales kind of principles, latest cutting-edge um, techniques and tools and strategies, but you'll also hear from myself and renowned experts around the world around other aspects that are vital towards you being successful as a sales professional or successful as a persuader. So we've had guests on the show that were experts in functional medicine, personal brand, even people that are involved in human behavior and body language as well. Uh, One of the things that is really important to sales success is the quality of the product, not just the quality of the product now, but the quality of the product in the future as well. Because as we know, the world changes and the buyer's requirements are constantly changing. So being able to partner with product in an effective way to make sure that the right attributes, the right functionalities are being considered in the product development process is really important and vice versa as well, right? Products also need to learn from sales around what are the important things. And that's why I'm really excited to have uh, today's guest on the show. He's a uh, experienced product leader who's worked in companies like Fujitsu and JTI, and he's helped spearhead some very interesting products uh, developmental products, uh, for example, uh, you know in the field of driving applications and in SaaS recruitment. For the last decade, uh, he's helped companies transform the way they conduct their product development process, um, and he's mentored you know directors and C level executives on how to implement. You know, things like idle and, and and lean manufacturing or lean methodology sorry but he's also worked with a, a number of uh, product managers or product owners and engineers to help them become better product development professionals uh, and really kind of take their careers to the next level um so please Help me welcome someone that, along with all of his other certifications in, in ITIL and, and Lean Methodologies, he also has a qualification in Gamification. Uh, Mr. Philip Araujo. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. and. Um, you know, I think we we don't talk about product enough in in quite a lot of uh, actually sales forums. So I'm I'm pleased to to have this discussion today, and I, I think this is going to be incredibly valuable for our for our viewers and listeners. Why don't we start with um, you know, one of the one of big questions when it comes to 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 product and and the partnership with sales, which is maybe we get clarity on this first because there might be some misconceptions here. But what what a product. Developers ultimately responsible for in a company.
1: Um, the product developers, uh, I mean, the product the product team uh, is responsible for uh, giving the vision, roadmap, strategy around the product. Uh, they're the first representative of a customer inside. The company. When when I teach product management, whether it's to, to product managers or to developers, data scientists, or anyone that is really interested about product management, um, I used to say that the, the product manager has to build the right things at the right time and the right way. All the difficulty in that. Um, also, at the end of the day, a product manager has also to manage frustration. Um, this is more a personal definition based on the experience about everyone, because he has to work with a lot of different stakeholders. Uh, talked about the customer, you talked about the salespeople, which is also another aspect. In um, sometimes in the sales, you know, you can have the, the account managers sometimes that are also, you know, in the kind of same department. So we have also to work with them. Uh, customer support, obviously, that's all that is also in their onboarding. Um, all the people that basically touch, you know, the product that have um, an interaction with the product, the product manager I have to talk to them and uh, interact with them, which sometimes can be uh, quite uh, challenging. Um, at a certain aspect. And this is why I talk about managing frustrations.
0: I think I can guess the answer and guess the words that you're going to use to to, to answer this next question. How would you describe the typical relationship between sales and
1: product? I, I mean, I said frustrating, so I'm not, we'll use that again. Sometimes we'll say that it's it's quite a tensed relationship. Not a, not a good one, most of the time. And I, I, I didn't see necessarily a good relationship uh, Especially in uh, in in companies where uh, there is no there is no necessarily a product market fit or it's quite um, a tough market, this is where it's hard to be harder. The harder it is for salesperson to sell the the product, the harder the relationship is. Because what happens is that they go to try to sell the product, which is their job and which is totally fair. They hear back from the from the customers. Generally, they come back and they say, look, I can't sell because we don't have this feature, or I can't sell because we don't have this, or I can't sell because, you know, we, we, got, we lost the sale to a competitor and because the competitor does that. We receive answers or we receive solutions, which is generally what a, what a product manager doesn't like. Product managers try to solve problems, and we, we, we try to solve problems as much as we can. So when we receive solutions like that, it's something where we feel that we are blindsided a little bit and and pushed in a certain direction. We'd go sometimes like against the direction we're trying to go, you know, with with a vision of a product. So this relationship can be can be really hard, but it's not just, you know, I I talked about the the responsibility of the sales and what they're trying to do. But it's also the responsibility of a product manager, because at the end of the day, you know, the product manager is the one that is always talking to the customer and try to be empathized as much as possible. And so it's the one that needs to make understand to the salespeople. And I saw that a lot where product managers were not talking with the salespeople, were not having meetings with salespeople, didn't want to talk with salespeople, and didn't even give the tools to the salespeople to to sell the right way. And and what I mean by that, by the tools to sell the right way, is that we know the pain points. We know the problems we're solving for customers. You know, we talk to them. We know the vision we have for the product. And and sometimes for product manager or even like, you know, designers and all, it's like, it's self-evident. So, you know, the sales should know that. And it's almost like this kind of reaction that they have. And so they let the sales go and then sales come back, sold something. And it's like, yeah, this is not what we agreed on or this is not what we were intended to do. And so this this creates all those tensions between the between the two departments.
0: Let's dive into that because I I feel that if we... If we share more around this and give that kind of clarity, that this will this will help solve at least 80% of, of some of the problems that are occurring here. Help solve it. I don't mean solve it. We're not going to solve it in a in a you know half an hour conversation or 45-minute conversation, but but we're 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 definitely going to help direct people in the right way. So um you talked about salespeople share the solution, right? Or share the the ultimate situation, for example, uh, the end situation as or conclusion. Let's use that term. Uh, and this is not something that products can can really work with. Can you give an example of how salespeople should share the right types of information from their customer interactions or pro- buyer interactions that product people can actually do something valuable with?
1: I think I I got that when I was when I was working in um, in recruitment and also. Um... You know, our, our salespeople were really expert also about the the field. And so they knew a lot about, you know, how it was working, the law and what the, the recruitment agencies were looking at. So sometimes, you know, the, the, they were going into meetings and they were trying to to sell almost like they were, they were still having the, the sales aspect, but they were a little bit product oriented, uh, product managers oriented. And so the good thing is that we were selling the experience, and when we were selling the experience, you know, we were, we were getting the feedback on what was happening in the experience and what was, you know, working, not working, or what they could do, for example, you know, how they could make their sales scenario better. So when we were having in that, you know, we were understanding more of the problem they were having, or we were understanding, you know, what is the feedback or what the people were trying to see, what was the question. So, so, having you know uh, an understanding about the interaction we were having with the clients, it's a bit it's a bit better for us because it's almost like we get this um script about what it's happening. So it's almost like we did the interview, but we were not there. And so we get almost this script of interaction, and suddenly we're saying, okay, this is where it's this is where it's not working. This is where the experience of the user journey is not working. And so from there, we can ask more questions when we can be like more into an investigation you know point of view. I think from both sides, you know, we have to remember that sales and, and product people are both achievers in terms of in terms of the way they are, like both wants to win, you know, when you look at the profile that they have. And so this can create, you know, like spear, like passionate conversation. And I think this is where where it comes from. So I think it's on both sides, right? As I said, it's it's understanding better what it's happening, and on the other side, understanding also giving to the sales, like understanding better what we are trying to do.
0: And that's interesting you shared that because I, I don't know what the perspective is from from product experts, but certainly from sales experts, we wouldn't have thought that product our product colleagues actually have quite a bit in common with us. Um, you know, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have associated, you know product colleagues with high achievers, for example, uh, and wanting to achieve a goal. But actually, now that you say that, it makes perfect sense because, you know, People are working to a timeline, right? Especially mm-hmm. when it comes to product development, it's very intense timelines timeline sometimes. When you when you said that they kind of help talk about the journey, can we dig into that a little bit more? I, I really want to give our our viewers and listeners, you know, active kind of tools that they can use to actually to help them have a better conversation with their product colleagues. So where in the journey? Or in the buyer interaction journey, should they start considering or capturing information or feedback that they're getting in order to convey that to product? Is it right at the beginning? Is it at certain stages? Is it trigger points? What should that be?
1: I think it's from the beginning. So when I work, I'm gonna give you the answer from the from the other perspective that I that I developed through the years. And it's all the experience from being in big companies, also working for Fujitsu and, and over big companies. And I came up with this sales battle card. And so, in the sales better card that I build myself for the sales people, and it's it's an understanding when we build the sales better card at a certain point is that I always start by giving like kind of the elevator pitch. So for them to know, like this product does that. You know, this is what we're trying to solve. And then I give them like points of discussion. You know, like point of interaction in question that they can ask. You know, that I discovered through the customer discovery I was doing when I was trying to find the problem, the pain of a customer, what they were answering to. And so I think the sales are doing the same thing. You know, when they approach people, I think they try to understand, you know, the user exactly the same way from another perspective, because the goal is to sell, but they're trying to understand, okay, where do I fit in? What is the angle I could go into that discussion? Just starting to have that already, it's a lot of information from us because maybe you know the the, the pain we discovered when we built the product change maybe it shifted a little bit and so understanding this question and what people are answering and the type of question you're asking it's already a lot of information from us for us so just these starting points it's already something so from this is why i say from the beginning of of the interaction as much as possible when we qualify obviously or when you find like this angle that you could open the discussion with
0: so that makes sense actually so if i'm interpreting this correctly it's Try to avoid conclusions because conclusions are laid with assumptions. It doesn't give the big picture. It doesn't tell the full story. Actually, what we should be sharing with you are the very things that we as salespeople are trained to seek out, which is what is the pain? What is the challenge that these buyers are facing? What are the situations that these buyers are finding themselves in? How is their world changing? And actually, if we give that, then that actually gives a complete story or a better or more complete picture for mm-hmm. you to actually work with. It gives you context for you to work with as well. Have I understood that correctly?
1: Yeah, totally. I, I think wow. you know the, the 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 journey we're in and what we're trying to do, we're really similar. We're not we're not that far away. Also salespeople I think have a better business acumen. Uh, we have maybe a better tech acumen, you know, when we're in the and and you know the, the UX acumen so more of the tech side on the product side but on the business acumen I believe that sales have more of that because they see this opportunity way better sometimes that we can see and so if we, if we if we work jointly and it's exactly the same thing you know when you look at it we talk to customer our goal is to find an opportunity is to find this thing from a product side and sales are doing exactly the same thing as you said and so having exactly this this knowledge um shared this is where we can move forward and i think where we we're going to find each other also You know, not in a battle, but basically we're doing the same thing together.
0: And one of the things that I think one of the things you said that I believe will surprise a lot of salespeople is um, the fact that you said product people are continuously talking to buyers and talking to customers. Now, I know a lot of salespeople that would have been that would be surprised by that statement because in their minds, they are the people that talk most to customers or customer success or account managers are the ones that are speaking to the customers the most. But actually, that's, that's, as you say, not not true. So talk a bit, talk to us a bit more about the nature of those conversations with those buyers, you know, when does that happen? At what point uh, does that occur? What is the cadence behind that? Uh, I think it's important for sellers to understand that a bit more.
1: So there, there is one thing, I think there is one thing I want to talk about. We talk about customers for people that choose the that use product, you know, like some, we don't choose users because um, customers, it's, it's more considered, you know, some people use consumer, some people use, um, you know, users, but, but customer is generally what it's used. And for a simple reason is because um, at the end of the day, when we are operating and we're offering the product, we have a customer that we have to answer them. Now, the buyer could be different. And this is where, you know, like, this is also, like, one aspect that we should know. Because generally, like, the person that is taking the decision is not necessarily the customer that we have. So these people is maybe the people we talk less to. Our goal, you know, is to make, without a product, there is no there is no SaaS company, right? Any any company you can talk to, I know I had this discussion also with, with certain people. And, and products is not considered sometimes as a profit center, it's considered as a cost center. Um, and and sales is considered as a as a profit center all the time because they are bringing the money and the product we are building is we are trying to fit um, a market need. This is what we are trying to do. Sales can um, use this to to sell it to people, uh, and but the buyer may not be the cons- the customer. So this is something that we may not add. In the case that it's the same person. When when we talk to them, and this is what we are trying to do regularly, we talk to them whether by observing what they are doing in the platform, or whether um, you know when they come through other ways, or we go directly for customer interviews or surveys or market research. This is so. This is all the different ways that we talk to them. But generally, we go through interviews. I know that not all the product people do that. Uh, I think a lot of people want to do it. They don't necessarily have the time because there are so there is so much pressure by the company depending on the size, depending on the situation of a company, but they don't have the time sometimes to do it properly. In those cases, this is where it's even more important that the relationship with salespeople is good because they are the ones, as you said, that are always outside. They're the ones that are always talking to the buyers. They're the ones that get always, you know, the feeling from the market. The problem is when we enter the emotion world where we're like frustrated and all that and, and coming back a little bit from that, taking a step back and being able to talk about it.
0: And I thought it was quite interesting what you said there where you made that distinction between the customers and the buyers because oftentimes or, or some of the times at least the buyer might, might be the senior decision maker but exactly. you're going to have less sort of an interaction with them is there value in having that person's
1: perspective yes i call that i call that ghost users it's a term that i came up with is because at the end of the day they're buying the product for a certain reason which we don't know sometimes Okay, so let's imagine that you work for a, for a B2B, um, you're, you're working in a B2B market. And uh, what you're trying to solve is maybe an administrative task with your product. But the person that is going to buy that is certainly the senior person of a department, right? Or the financial person, because they see the value in having that as a cost reduction, uh, maybe a cost reduction um, a benefit. And so what happens is that those people want to have reports at the end of the day. They want to see, okay, did it bring the value that I want, that it that it needs to bring? Because when it's time to renew, these people are going to ask the question. They're going to be like, yeah, but my people are not using your product, or I don't see the benefit of your product. And so suddenly, it makes the sales um, the sales job even ha- even harder, right? If we are not trying to to feed them in the product in a certain way, they may not be like super users, like using it every day and seeing the value every day, but they are. A certain type of user that we have to take into consideration and sometimes it's completely forgotten from from product perspective and this can can only be brought by the sales people i believe and account managers um, and customer success for example because they know those people is the people you have to deal with so that already already that's
0: something that. Salespeople can add value to to the relationship there because they have that interaction. So good. Um, What does um, I'm I'm really intrigued to learn from you. What does a good sales and product relationship look like?
1: I think it's when we work when we work together. Even even in sometimes selling together, it works really well. When you look at it, especially at the beginning, uh, you know when when it's a small company. Sometimes you know you go to these deals where it's it's um, it's higher deals, and um, you have to work together. So you need to have a sales perspective when people are capable to open the door, which is something that we don't know really how to do. You know the relationship that you have and all that it's not it's not something that we're. We, I mean, I didn't see that as as really good in the in the product teams getting out of a building. I will say where you know salespeople are really good at that. They're really good at like you know opening doors and and coming in. If there is like this this right. You know things that goes both ways. So the first way is like sales helping product to sales, to sell, um, to use the product. Uh, so product helping sales to sell. Sorry, and then the other way around is also that we have all the knowledge about the users, how they use the product, what they are missing out and all that, and giving this information to sales for sales sell even more. So that's that's the other aspect. You know, I, I think it both it works in both ways, and this is where you see where it works well, because when you're capable to say, you know what, like. I know that, for example, all these people in this company are using that. We have the same company on the side. Not all the people are using it. Is there a way we can sell this product the same way? Is there a way we can, you know, what is the offering? You know, how we can work on that? How can we share this information that works better for you? So this is how we can really work jointly uh, in that. And finally, the the last thing for me is that... If sales cares a little bit more about the implementation, the success, you know. What, what I saw that in, in bad relationship is that sales, you know, sell and, and that's it, they cut, they cut it there. And then it's the responsibility of product of delivery. And this is bad because we don't know what was sold. Sometimes we come in and we're like, oh yeah, our sales, your sales guys told us that. And we're like, okay, what do we do with that? So we end all a relationship that is already, you know, at risk. We end all a hot potato in there. And we're like, okay, how are we gonna deal with this? How are we gonna how are we gonna make it happen now? Or how can we say to a client that we can't deliver that because we don't have that in our product, or at least not the way they intend to? So having this this um, you know process that goes until the delivery, and that they're also um, uh, you know helping us in that, it's um, will be will be a the best relationship that we can have, I think.
0: Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, in a lot of companies. Um, salespeople aren't necessarily, um, incentivized or even interested in that, but actually, I mean, I personally believe that's crazy because, um, that actually will damage the profitability and longevity of a business, right? If we keep selling, if we keep selling deals and contracts, um, that are set up for failure, um, then word will get out, and believe you me, it will get out, and and that will make sales and products job even harder. So it, it's interesting that you that you mentioned that, and I think it really depends on the company and and the nature of the leadership and what they incentivize and 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 what they create as a culture. Um, one thing that you stated there that was really valuable that which is um, the insights that products have about how customers are using the product. Um, And I've been involved in companies where I've been a commercial advisor to those businesses and they've had, I mean, incredible amounts of data points um, that they hold based upon how users are using their platform. And just from those data points is an incredible amount of information that sellers can use as an insight led uh, conversation rather than just a discovery mode conversation. Can you talk to me a bit more about that, right? Is that, is that something product people genuinely can capture quite quickly and, and are able to share it in a way that salespeople can use? Or, or, or do they need help maybe from salespeople to understand um, the, the perspective and therefore make sense of that type of information?
1: Yeah, it's something. It's something that uh, that product can can create. Um, I think you see that more into uh, data driven companies, uh, growth companies. You know that have this mindset where they have a lot of data that that um, that support their decision. And in there, I think there is also a need of training uh, in the culture about data and also to the salespeople, because we don't necessarily know all those data points. We can capture them. You know, we can capture anything you want, but that's not. That's not an issue, right? Um, you can do that. You can do that super easily in product. And as I said, at the end of the day, we get this data, and then how we transform this data to give it to the sales, so that sales it's an insight, and they can use that to build on what we have. Um, it's so much easier also for them, you know. Like it has been said, like finding a new client, it's way much harder than trying to upsell a client that we already have, right? For for salespeople, you know, like if there is if there is this relationship, as I said. About data and about saying, like, look, like we know, like for example, sales could, could tell us like we know that those people, you know we have observed that. Is there something that you know? You know, coming with this question to us, like, how can we upsell this? Or as I said, we love solving problems, right? So maybe you have a range of product, maybe this product works together, works together the right way. And so the question is like, okay, how can we upsell? and And this is the question that product also should answer. You know we are not working just for the outside. We're also working for the inside. And obviously, the, the better success we can have with our product, the, the first of all, the happier we will be, because I think it's the as I said, we're high achievers also, and we want to make a, an impact uh, on on with what we are working on. But also from a sales perspective, you know, it's um, it's having this insight that will that will give them, let's say, an advantage or a, a competitive advantage compared to to the other ones, you know. So, yeah. so yeah. that's really interesting because
0: everything i'm hearing from what you're describing here philip is actually product uh should be and can be um you know a really close partner um and a really close supporter to sales because oftentimes we're thinking um you know like you use your example how can we upsell um you know what insights can i give to this buyer or to this customer That's actually going to make them really think about their business. That's going to help me stand out as if I've got something very valuable to say. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we look externally and try to do all this analysis and research about the buyer and their business and their world and their industry, et cetera. But actually, a lot of the times we probably have not only that information, but we have even more powerful information because it's coming from other buyers, their peers, and their experiences with the product and the benefits that they're getting from the product, et cetera. So a lot of times we just have to look, we just have to look internally and look to our colleagues and product to solve a lot of the questions that we probably ask. And, you know, sometimes we're asking those questions and we're not, we're thinking about it internally within the sales team, but actually we should be asking products and maybe they can have a faster answer and a more comprehensive answer for this as well. So I thought that was really,
1: really interesting what you shared there. Um, I I think. You know, I just just want to add something on this. You know, I think like everybody knows the sales funnel, you know, in sales people, they know the sales funnel, but the product funnel is a bit different. Um, When you look at it, the product funnel, uh, and I like to take the, the, what we call the pirate metric that people can look at, uh, because it says R, it's AA and triple R. And so it's um, acquisition, activation, uh, revenue, uh, revenue retention, and referral. When you look at it, the way the way like most of a of a SaaS known SaaS product works. So what I mean, Slack, you know, Dropbox and all that. Uh, the product works between the activation and revenue and retention. This is this is their area, and this is what it's coming right now with a uh, with a uh, product led And and where you know marketing sometimes sells, um, marketing and sales work. Uh, it's whether on the referral or on the on the uh, acquisition so basically entering this funnel you know and and then afterwards it's its product that since they know the retention since they know what it's happening inside the product since they understand the the behavior of a consumer right now they can give that to the uh, to the sales people and sales can work on the referral part so seeing who's other type of customer that we can we can target uh, seeing the same customer growing the account um you know all of that so this is the the, the I think I think this funnel is not necessarily known or explained to the salespeople. Maybe it is, but uh, most of the time, I know that we we like to live in our world, and it's almost like um, you know two two areas that are really different.
0: Yeah, and I love having these kind of conversations, Philip, because actually, when you talk about when you try to understand the other person's perspective, actually, you find that there's a lot of similarities. You share a lot of things um, without realizing it. So the activation elements, you know, good quality sales teams should be very, very interested in the activation elements because that's the first touch point as an experience as a customer. Um, And that sets the tone um, and the emotions for the rest of the relationship. Um, And then the revenue, you know, if, 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 if we don't get if customers aren't happy, then they won't pay us if they don't pay us, we don't get paid in our commission. So we should be there and retention, right? So more and more sales teams are um it, they're, they're being aligned in terms of retention incentives it's not just the purview of the account managers um there are more sales teams where the business development people are incentivized to make sure that the the deal is a good quality deal that actually renews and they get a cut off that um so actually the three three out of the was it five that you just stated there are things that sales people actually share With Mm -hmm. product, and I think with that commonality, hopefully there can be a better relationship. So it's really interesting that you shared that. Um, Talk to me about product-led sales. It's a term that we are hearing a lot more.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a term that came. It's again. um, I mean, the industry that we're in, especially in SaaS and all that, we are really good with buzzwords and, and new ways to explain again the same stuff. Uh, product-led in itself, or product-led growth, uh, uh, how it is um, explained, is a it's a business strategy uh, where where you use the product as the the main vehicle to acquire, you know, like the, the, what I was saying, so acquire, activate, and retain customers. So, if I take the example of Slack again, you know, people know Slack, and people start using Slack. It's free. Then suddenly you start paying for it. And then you're going to go through this, this funnel and, and start paying maybe an enterprise account or things like that. And this is how those companies are going so quickly and so big. And so where it plays um, something different is that companies generally have been sales driven or marketing driven. And now people are trying to shift that, at least in the product community, to being like more product driven or more product led. Uh, my, my impression is that it, it feels like uh, products sometime have this uh, Superman complex where we can where we can solve everything and we think we can solve all those things and and being like yeah we don't need the others where in reality it shouldn't be like you against us or us against you but as I said you know working towards that obviously the product is super important if the product is not there you you can have the best salespeople you can have the best salespeople they they can't make magic right. It's, it's almost impossible. But this, this product led it, it's important in a certain way. It's important for salespeople to understand it because there is a lot of benefit for them that will help doing their job like so much more easily. Um, so yeah, it's something, it's something to understand and to look at right now. And, and how can sales work with that product led strategy? Um, it's understanding this, this funnel. Um, because what happened is that generally what happened on that is the shorter sales cycle. You shorter sales cycle because people start using the product quite quickly, start to get the benefit. And so the question after that is when sales start to intervene to be able to do the rest, the rest of the job, right? So obviously, you know, there is the two things. Um, there is at least this part. That's the, that's the first part. The second part, sales still have to do it. You know, there is big accounts that will not go through this funnel. They will come from somewhere else because it's almost impossible. You can't, you can't have necessarily a company of 5,000 people or 500, you know, that will go necessarily through that for a certain product like Slack. Yes, sure. Because, but Slack is one, is one exception. You know, it's not, it's not the rule. So it's, it's understanding what is going to be the role of sales in that and how, you know, product can contribute to sales and how sales can contribute to product. And how can sales use the data, But because everything is around data, how sales can use this data to make their job you know, so much more um, powerful, how they can leverage that, basically, to make more sales and to be more successful.
0: I realized there was one question I, I hadn't asked, uh, which is an important one. Oftentimes, you hear stories of uh, salespeople get wind of a, um, a feature or maybe even a product that's being developed. Um, they get excited. Uh and may get overzealous and mention it to a customer or a buyer too early. Um how how can how can companies avoid that from happening? And it it might be something, I personally think it's as simple as having product and sales talk to each other and have a having a better cadence and structure around doing that. And for product to be clearer with salespeople, uh um about when something's so early, or sometimes maybe just not not saying anything yet until it reaches a certain stage. But I may be oversimplifying this. Um, you know, have you seen a better approach? have you have you have you seen a better, yeah, have you just seen a better approach for this?
1: I can tell you what happens is that generally like salespeople want to have a roadmap. They want to know, okay, what are we delivering in three months? What are we delivering in six months? What are we delivering in nine months? This is like um dangerous. To have roadmaps like that especially when you talk about futures because uh, things change quite quickly uh things can happen also on the platform you know there is like for example this new client coming but it's super big and it's uh, you know putting down part of the platform so we have technical depth so we have stuff to work on and suddenly the roadmap we're not capable to to take it into account uh where it works for us uh when i was working um you know at masternote which is michelin now, um, is that we were giving a roadmap, but only on three months. So basically what we are sure about delivering. So what is what is coming next? When it was further away, we were talking more about value. I think it's easier when you, when you change the discussion. Because when you look at it, you know, if you talk about futures, people are fighting futures against futures. So for salespeople, it's really hard, right? Because it's like, oh, my competitor is doing uh, B, D, and F, and I'm doing A, B, and D. Okay, and how do you compare the value on that? It's really hard for a user, you know, you, you finish with this list of features and you're, you're uh, having a battle, and it's, it's really hard. When the roadmap is more on the value that you're bringing, so more around the pain, um, first of all, sales can contribute to that. They can, they can, they can be the, the, um, the spearhead to confirm, you know, long before, if we are trying to find out if there is a need for that, we could be the one saying, oh, this is what we are trying to solve you know in the next six months. Is it something that customers are interested in? Is it something that you can even sell before we even you know try to build it? So talking about value changed completely the discussion from talking about a future. because if you talk about a future, like what can happen is that you know you have an idea as a salesperson what is the future, but you didn't look really into it. So you're selling an idea that you have, but the idea that the product manager has or, or someone else is not the same. When it's delivered, this is not what you expect. You promise something, you're out, you're completely out of a, you know, out of a picture because it it was a, a misunderstanding on both sides. So changing on- changing the the discussion from futures to value help a lot in roadmap. This is what we did, and also like not overpromising like in a year or something like that because nobody can predict in a year what's gonna happen.
0: But when you sell on value, so I've been in situations uh, and I've seen situations in teams. And companies i've advised where you know now buyers are asking more um especially new buyers right if they're about to about to work with a new supplier um they're asking for more detail about the roadmap and um which is understandable because actually they are they want to be able to future proof their decision as much as possible right Decis- the, the the stresses and strains of those decisions are a lot higher um and a lot of the times, those buyers are looking for more detail than value. Um, so, what what could what could product do to support that request? Because value sounds a bit too high level to me. But maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're what you're defining here as value.
1: I, I understand. I understand when you say that that value is um, value seems a bit higher level because it is. It is. It's. It's kind of more. I say instead of saying value, I will say outcomes, you know, for the company. So what is the outcome that they could expect, you know, in the next in the next year? When you talk about the future, for me it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna build, for example, an integration with email. You know, this is like a really clear future. People understand that they understand an integration with email. Where if you start to say we're gonna, we're gonna um, we're gonna offer you more channels of of um, you know opening um, I think on the on the channel. Um, I'm trying to to find out the, the value for that, but it's um you know where you're going to say as an outcome that you're going to integrate with other type of your system. This is where you can explore the discussion because suddenly it's 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 still a bit you know it's not as clear what you're going to do, and so you're exploring still that you know as a company. So you're evolving with them also, and mm-hmm. I think being being at the, this level of discussion, and we tried it you know for certain product it was it was helping customer building with us what what customer what we notice with customers you know when you're when you're in product is that they don't want you because they are used to that you sell them one thing today and then after that you, you forget about them they're just in the backlog they're just using the product but you you're not answering their needs anymore and I think it's changing also their discussion about that. Uh, when you're talking about futures I believe that you don't have a product market fit so which means that you're not answering a pain. And so this is also something that should come back to product. If there is discussion like that, the question is, that should we sell to this kind of people? Are we targeting the right people? Are we doing the right thing? You know, all those, all those things are, are invaluable assets. We are too much into that we have to sell to everybody. We have to be like, you know, sell to everyone. We can't we can't do that, you know. Even Slack or even, even Dropbox or this type of company are not trying to sell to everyone. They are, you know, offering a value. Whether you take it or you don't take it, when you look at it, um, you know people forget about that. But Slack was built for a for a team of ten people, and now you have companies of five thousand that are using that. Is it really the same value that you're bringing? It's not working that much for companies of five thousand people. So this is why you know talking about future is really hard. We're talking about value, which is collaboration. For example, enhancing the collaboration inside the platform, reducing the number of errors. You know, bull- bulletproofing your your company. It's something that for them it resonates and they can tell you, you know, what is the what are they seeing in the next year, you know, what is the problem they are seeing. If you if you talk about this stuff, the stuff, the salespeople will get some insight that can come back to the to product again, you know, like going to a virtual cycle.
0: Yeah, I mean this is this has been very interesting, Philip, because one of the big takeaways here that I'm getting is that actually there's a lot of similarities. Uh, between product and sales, we just got to look for it. Um, and, and the two main ones I saw were: one, we're both results-driven people. We, we may have a different perspective or a different kind of set of personalities, um, but the end goal is that we're still very results-driven, right? So mm-hmm. that's a shared. That that that's a that's a that's a shared value there. Um, and the second thing that I thought was very interesting was that um, for products, people it, it isn't features. Uh, it isn't just the technical element. The technical elements is is almost like a means to an end. The end, and what's what what's valuable for product is to un- and as you said, product market fit is to understand the the underlying um behaviors, the underlying challenges, the underlying situation. Um, that then leads to a feature that needs to be developed. So it's all about the pain. It's all about the situation the buyers are facing. It's all about their story. And actually, that's something that, you know, like I said, salespeople are trained. That's our, That should be our very world. We are um, optimized to, to understand and question and uncover all those sorts of challenges and pains and desires in order for us to have a solution. Um, now, we have a a commercial framework solution but you provide the technical pl- foundation and platform for that commercial framework so i think just those two things um you know that isn't that's valuable because now we have a shared value now we have a, a uh i don't know how to describe it almost like you know shared perspectives right shared importance right so i think right there now we have a framework for a good discussion between sales and, and product and actually we should be, we should be working a lot closer together so I, I thought this discussion was really insightful and, and I know that our viewers and listeners will see the same as well. Um, one question I wanted to, I ask all, all our uh, guests, uh, which I'd like to ask you is. Um, if, if there are three books uh, that you would recommend uh, people should read. Or, or alternatively, you might say, actually there are the, these are the three people that our viewers and listeners should uh, should follow and learn from. Uh, who, who or which books would you recommend? and they don't have to be around product. Uh, it, it, these could be the 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 three the three individuals or the three books that have really changed your world and kind of really helped you advance to where you are.
1: I think the the first book that changed that changed me like and it was on leadership a long time ago, um two thousand and eight or something like that. it was tribal leadership um dave logan i think his name is uh, and it's just because he's talking about you know how to how to manage your teams and how to give a vision and the the importance of of culture um inside your company the second book i will give it's because you know we live in a we live in a world right now where it's uh, the the boundaries between people um or and the and the borders between the countries or how we work um, or, or blurred way more and taken out is the culture map. Is to understand that, you know, people are coming from different cultures that they are, may after that come to the UK, for example, or you work with people that are in Germany or Australia or France, and we all have a different culture. It's not because we all speak English, we all speak the same English, right? And understanding that someone that is structured, that seems structured to you, for, for example, a German person will seem unstructured. And so this book is really good because it gives you an understanding about the difference in the cultural shift around certain things. They do like this great graph where they show you, you know, the different country compared to, for example, structure or organization or leadership. And just, just having that in mind, you know, when you're going to work with people, and especially if you're in sales, you know, you can work with, with people from, from anywhere in the world. So I think it's a, it's a good book for anyone, whether you're in sales in you know, product or any organization, and the third book—that's—that's—I uh, mean, the third book of a third person. That's—that's that's a really good question, because obviously, you know, I could say like uh, the, the the big ones that everybody knows, but um, someone that I was looking at and unfortunately like passed away is Tony uh, He was the founder of Zappos, uh, that was sold for one billion, which is a shoe company. Uh, he wrote this book that was called Delivering Happiness. It's really interesting again from a culture perspective um what he brought inside the company and the growth the growth mindset that he had inside that. So it's kind of it's kind of free book that I give that are not necessarily in link with um you know product management more around leadership and growth because this is this is what we need. This is what we need more people that are uh that are around growth.
0: Yeah those are really good ones. The the culture map I I know of but triple leadership and and deliver, delivering happiness I've heard of but I haven't read that. Um,
1: and if so you that, want that's, those are interesting someone to follow i will say like his, his study is quite interesting on the flow and everything is steven cutler uh, but i will give as, a, as someone that still you know because i i gave someone that passed away so i will say someone that is alive uh, Stephen cutler around rise of superman or Stealing fire understanding how the brain works um that brings also things about flow gamification um, you know all of that that is that is really useful for performance team
0: yeah that's that's a good one that's a good one thank you for that philip and uh how can our I've really enjoyed this conversation by the way. How can our um, viewers and listeners uh, find you, connect with you, learn more about you?
1: We uh, can connect with me on LinkedIn. We uh, can connect also with my blog on medium uh, and yeah i'm on I'm on social media, so it's uh, it's where we can they can find me uh, until I have uh, more stuff around coming. I have a book that is coming um, again on leadership more more around leadership, around product. Um, I believe as, as you said you know there is a lot of uh, communication that can be done uh, between between product and sales
0: so Philip this has been um really interesting conversation uh, I have to say and uh it, definitely it's an area that uh, both sales and product need to understand more each other's perspectives but from a sales perspective I think there's a lot that we can learn from product and a lot that we can rely on products who, who will have the answers to some uh you know important questions that we're always asking ourselves um so i thought this was a really really good uh, conversation very enlightening thank you for coming on the show thank you it was uh i really enjoy that thank you and uh, so this is Moe amin signing out um if you're interested in the uh, the science uh, and research behind your buyers and what makes them buy from someone versus what turns them off and what approaches to avoid Uh, do please check me out uh, and uh, get in contact link in the show notes below. So you can learn more about my programs and how I can help you do that. So until the next episode, thank you very much.